Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding will come to you afresh again today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And every affliction in your body is rebuked by the entrance of this word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Affliction will not abide in your body after today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The spirit of death, the spirit of ailments, the spirit of you know, troubles is rebuked from your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me give you a prescription. Just pay attention. What did I say? Even if you are watching this um, from somewhere else, the video or anything you are watching, just pay attention for the next one hour, one and a half hours or two hours. I don't think we'll do more than two hours, even if we extend it. Just pay attention. Take it that you are getting an infusion in hospital. You know, you know, the major problem why the word doesn't work is that we don't treat it with enough seriousness. If a doctor says, stay on that bed, you know what you do? You stay on that bed. If you say this thing will run for two hours, you know what you do? You stay there nicely, and you'll be watching it. Too. The patience that you did not have with God comes upon your soul. If you say this injection is three times a day, three times a day, you turn the bomb, they put it in. That's the way it is. Kenneth Hagin, Lillian B. Yomas, and um, um, uh, John G. Lake said the same thing, different words. That if people will give me the same attention they give to doctors, I will get them healed 100% of the times. And I want to give you a prescription for today. Pay attention. Turn to your neighbor, say pay attention. Pay attention. Turn to somebody and say pay attention. pay attention. If your phone is not off, put it off now. Now, there's a normal don't disturb us, put it off. But this time around is, let me pay attention, put it off. Are you getting my point? That's what I'm saying. Somebody's supposed to call you, wants to pay you. It's not cash he wants to give you. We're talking about healing here. We're talking about deliverance. We're talking about clarity. Stop telling people, give me an appointment, meet me at Bible study. You now live while we're at it. Let me tell many of you, you people do it. I think it's a very, let me know you're supposed to be, it's a very bad thing. You don't give me, a, you, give, you make an appointment and I leave when they are teaching the word to go and attend to it. They say it's important. What kind of importance is that? If you are seeing a doctor, he's giving you an injection, will you go and do that? Tell the person, I'll be in person between five and seven. Wait for me outside. If you say, I'll have time by six, then I can't see you by six. I mean, some, let me tell you something here. Eh? The sense of value, I like the way Bishop Udipo used to say it, determines the flow of virtue to you. If you know that P may catch you, 455, go and wee wee. Do, do you get my point? Yes, sir. yes. Just know that I need just two hours. There are times, you know, because my kids, because of all these lockdown things and all of that, they've not been coming for Bible study, especially the smaller ones. Sometimes I want to be tempted to tell my wife, leave your phone on in case they need you. I said two hours. Let the angels take care of them. 
The times I want to tell you when I'm leaving the house, your mother's phone will be off. You know, my own will be on. Your mother's phone will be on. Mine will be off. I'll tell her to put her phone on in case there's anything. I said two hours. What about when there were no phones? What about when there were no phones? Let me give you an instruction from now. Don't tell anybody to meet you here between five and seven. If he wants to meet you, he should wait downstairs. I'm not saying they shouldn't come to this premises, so. But that you will now get up, leave while we are teaching to go and collect money, to go and give somebody something. You interrupt the flow of the spirit. Have you never heard of quench not the spirit? If I'm talking to my residents, are you getting me? They are wise you call, you understand? They will answer and say, please, I'm with my boss. And they hang up. That is, I don't know whether I get my point. But we, we think that the two hours is too long. It must be interrupted somewhere. You have to go out and, and if you have this restless leg syndrome, no, it exists. No, there's a medical terminology called restless leg syndrome. I'm not joking about it. Don't put your leg and just stay in one place. There are different types. There's this compulsion to move around some people have. I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. When you, listen, one of the things I taught my son does this, I said, when you're in school, put your two hands behind, stand like a soldier. So, Krishna in the house, I make him do those days. I said, you must sit somewhere, you must lean on something. Should I send you to an academy for six months, in six weeks, like Americans will do, a boot camp? Soldier will slap your head around for me. They learn to stand. Learn to stand. Sometimes, if you know that sleep will be your problem, obtain permission to go and stay at the back. Stand. One of the things we have to learn as believers is the ability to pay attention. We are too restless. The same people can watch a match. I know matches are more exciting, but you discipline yourself. The Bible says, discipline yourself for the purpose of what? Godliness. Exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. Learn how to sit down. Many years ago, I went to Winner's Chapel. Midweek service. I had the tape. So I went to exchange my tape. and Make a long story short. I got a new tape in place of it. Titled Dreamer, the living word of God. I have a habit. I still have it till down. Instead of just going to sleep, I put a message on to go off to sleep, you know. I, I, I want to sleep. I'm not trying to listen to a message. I just want to sleep. But I just have this habit of, why waste it last five minutes? Just put something on. And this is, thank God for these wonderful devices. They call phones, which we all know they are not phones. They are computers that can make calls. <laughs> so I love all kinds of things. You pick my phone at each point in time. I don't think I have less than 300 messages each time. Load everything. If I, it's part of my storage for messages. So I used to do those, that those days. So that day I got home, had my bath, it's Lagos, after sweating, going through more and everything. Had the bath, I lay down to sleep, and I said, let me put this tape to just use it. To, I just got it in church. After Bishop spoke for the first two minutes, I realized he was talking to me, that God was talking to me through those words. He spoke for a few more minutes, and I realized that I will soon fall asleep because I'm lying down, it's to 12 midnight, so I'm not talking about afternoon. But by this time around, it was definitely past 
Okay, go, no, I mean, church will close at night before I come down all the way from Yanokpaja to Ilukweju without a car of my own. Change buses three times. So I, it was time to sleep. That's when I make it. You know what I did? After the first few minutes, I realized that this man was talking to me. I sat up, lest I fall asleep. That's where I'm going. I said this word. I must hear it. So instead of lying down to hear it, this time around, I sat up. If I really want to hear a word, that's what I do. Because if I know, I, there, there are times I do one funny thing. I will lie down and sleep. You know why? And I will soon wake up. You know, get that edge of sleep off. Then I start again. But there are times I said, no, this one, I mustn't sleep. So I pace up and down to listen to it. That day I sat up and said, no. Good enough, the message was really short, about 45 minutes. By the time I finished that night, literally, my life changed. I'm not, nah, I'm not trying to sound, you know, no spirit. No, literally. Literally. I was heading in this direction before. Then from, in fact, I've preached with it many times. From that word that evening, I realized that God was in banking. Stop, turn. I headed in another direction. I may, you know, that's why when I wrote the book, Guided by the Spirit, I'm begging you, go and read it. Go and read Guided by the Spirit. I wrote the book, Guided by the Spirit. Alright? To help people understand things like that. Because I made that decision that day. The Holy Spirit didn't come to me. The people say, I, the, the Lord said. Yes, the Lord said. But I heard it from those words that was coming from that tape. Many times God wants to speak to us, we interrupt it. We can't sit down for five minutes. Let me say it again. Stop giving appointments for the time you're supposed to be studying. Stop. Maybe, like I said, it's a sense of value. And let me tell you something. You are interrupting the flow of virtue. You think Holy Spirit at such times we wait till it's convenient for you to hear it? There's something Kenegin said to us, one of his messages I listened to. I've listened to him, if you have read him or listened to him, if especially if you read the book, uh, this book on um, Triumphant Church, his book on demons. He talked about how God, how the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him and said, I'm going to teach you about demons, possessions, deliverance, and stuff like that. He was a prophet. Let me not talk about prophets now. He was a prophet. Please sit down. Apparently, I've started teaching already. He was a prophet. And one of these prophets do, there are different kinds of prophets. They are different. If you read the Bible, there are different types of prophets. But it was one kind of prophet that operated by visions a lot. Paul would say, let us now come to visions and revelations. In New Testament prophet, even Old Testament prophet, not every prophet had visions like that. He was one of those prophets that had visions and revelations. And many of the teachings he gave us were from the visions that he had. But in this particular one, the Lord was still teaching him about demons, how demons possess people. I'm not teaching on that now at all. Let me just restrain myself for not going that way. Because I learned a lot from him, and over time I've learned here and there. And I have experiences that I can use to explain some of these things. How demons possess people, how you tackle demons. But I say along the line, listen to what I want to say. Along the line, the Lord was standing there, he could see him. The Lord Jesus himself. For those who don't know, Jesus is not me. He really lived. He was really born. They really cut his umbilical cord. He really died. 
And he literally rose up from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And he made it clear. It's all over the scriptures. He saw, before the physical birth, he used to appear to people. And since then, he still appears to people. The Bible makes it clear he appeared to um, Saul on the way to Damascus. He appeared to, jo- to Paul, the ones we know in the Bible. He appeared to Saul. He appeared to... Um, okay, I said Paul, right? The same person. But I'm going to say more than once. He appeared to Paul, uh, him that first time. Then later on, um, he appeared to him again. Like if you go and read the story, the account of um, the Last Supper. He didn't get it from Peter, James, John, all those people. He said Jesus told him by himself. There are so many things that Jesus taught Paul directly. That's why his letters are so powerful. Then we know he appeared also to John. The ones recorded in the Bible, Revelation, he appeared. So he still appears to people till now. One day I was talking to one of our sisters. We were just just, just talking. I said, some people say they've seen the Lord. You know, just, some people are just beside you. You don't even know the kind of person they are. I said, I wonder what he looked like. I said, I'd like to see someone. She just told me that I saw him once. I want more. You? What happened? Then she told the story how she was sick for a long time and she was in hospital and then she began to recover. I, I think she woke up, opened her eyes and he was sitting at the foot of the bed. I became humble. <laughs> Paul said, have we not seen the Lord? Are you getting my point? <laughs> there are people that brag on some things. So he appears to people, all right? He just wanted to settle it for some people who might be listening to this. Now, Ken Hagen said he appeared to him. Let me get back to the minute I want to bring up from that. So as he was teaching him and teaching him, he said, suddenly, the Lord was standing there a few feet away from him. In between them, an evil spirit appeared. That's where I'm going with all these stories. An evil spirit appeared and began to make a lot, a lot of noise. No? Senseless noise. Just making noise so he couldn't hear. And raising a smoke screen. So there was like smoke. He couldn't see again. He couldn't hear clearly. He was making noise and obstructing the view. So he waited, assuming that the Lord would do something about it. Now this is what I want to bring up from it. He said the Lord kept on speaking as if nothing was happening. Imagine I'm calling you. We are talking on the phone. Then the line is interrupted. I'm the Lord. I know the line has been interrupted. And I continue giving instructions to you as if there's no break in the transmission. Over years of, ex- of learning things, I realized what happened. That obstruction came from him. He did not know. He didn't say that I'm the one that just have come to understand it. This evil spirit lashed on something inside him. Because that's the only reason it could have happened like that. They don't have the can they don't they can't just transgress recklessly. Something from his side allowed that thing to get in. But what I want to emphasize is that. He said, the Lord did not interrupt what he was saying. He kept on talking like he said nothing. 20 years later, or maybe 30 years later, he will still be telling you, I can't, I, I miss what he said till now I don't know what he said. One of those messages just said, as he was talking, he just stopped. He said, oh, I think I got it now. I think I got it now. Don't just get up and be wasting time. God will continue talking as if you are there, even though you are not there. Why did he go to the, the, the Garden of Eden and say to uh, um, Adam and Eve, where are you? Did he not know where they were? Have we not come to him before whom all things are open? Is he no longer you know, an all-knowing God? I hope you're getting my point. How come he's asking questions? I'll tell you why. Because he went to where he kept them, not where they kept themselves. 
He went to where they were supposed to be. One of the things one of our brothers, Reverend, if a book he said to us once in school, he was trying to encourage us to be patient as he was going to minister. And he began to tell stories. And he used to operate the word of knowledge and all of that. I said, there was a time, a few times, one of them, he went for a meeting. And before we start preaching, I was about to start preaching, the Lord showed him two people he was supposed to minister to. And what was wrong with them, what he was supposed to tell them. And as he began to preach, one of them got up and walked away. I used to wonder how, why. You see, let me tell you how the Lord behaves. Eh? See, if you read your Bible well, eh? don't take God for granted. Though. Let me tell you something. God is not your boyfriend. If you are not happy, he will, he will not buy you, buy you something. He will send you a rose because you, you, you got angry with him yesterday. No, this good, good, you know, good feeling gospel. We don't know the Lord Jesus Christ at all. If you get angry with him, he punishes you for anger. The how stupid can you get? You'll be getting angry with me. Don't you know I know what I'm doing? Go and discipline yourself to trust everything I do. Unbelief is a sin in his presence. What am I saying? So you will just assume that the Lord should call those people back. No. God said, listen, that's where I do my things. I behave as if everything is normal. They let everybody behave as they want to, and they will tap the blessing or reap the reward for disobedience. God will instruct to go and tell a man to repent. When he knows the man will not repent. He said, go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, but don't worry, he won't listen. And he kept on sending back, go and tell him, let my people go. Does not appear like mockery? I've realized that thing. <laughs> hey. God gave the man a word, does not guarantee the person would not leave and refuse to hear it. He said, why the two of them just get up, after a while, get up and leave. And he was planning to minister at the end of his teaching. But they were gone. Let's take the Lord very seriously. Kenegin said that time, he was speaking decades later, and you feel like saying, God, but please, now come and tell me what you were saying. It's like saying, no, that time has passed. Let's go to other revelations. In case you are wondering, he was in desperation. He shouted at the spirit. Shut up in the name of Jesus Christ. His spirit fell down. Boom. And the Lord said something to him that he said he could not accept. He said, if you had not done anything about that, I couldn't have. He said, no, you mean you wouldn't have? He said, no, I said I couldn't have. Again, we've studied scriptures for a long time and we have understood the reason why. Even though you see the Lord appears to be in front of him, if you understand modern science alone, you will know that the Lord could be, have been standing one billion light years away. But brought himself to appear as if he's in his presence. This is why I say that. That spirit was on the earthly side. And the earth he has given to the sons of men. I hope you're getting my point. That spirit was within the sphere of his personal life. And God was not going to force the spirit to shut up except he decides the spirit to shut up. One of the things I, I, I wish I had, I never, I've not planned anything in that regard. I would have loved to teach a series, maybe because myself, I'm not an expert yet. I would have loved to teach a series in self-control. Teach a series on self-control. One of the ways God has taught me self-control is that if I want to do this, and this is what I'm supposed to do. You know what I do sometimes? I will get up to do what I know is wrong now. This is what I'm going to say. But I will tell myself, you will do the right thing. This is what, because the flesh says go this way. 
I said, flesh, no problem. Let's start going. Then I'll be saying to the flesh, we are going to the other way. This is the right thing to do. I have found out if I will engage my mouth, the body follows. I learned that thing. I have learned that if I will engage my mouth, the body will follow. And you know, you know James taught it. He said, the tongue is like the steering. It's like the rudder that controls a ship. Many of us want to carry the ship and push it. He said, turn the steering. Now, I'm going to explain something here. So, you see, in that particular situation, that spirit was on his side. And that's what the Lord said. There's nothing I can do about it. You have to tackle it. What I'm going to say? Tackle your restlessness. Tackle your inability to concentrate. Don't you know, it, it can get to a time, evil spirits will help you drink plenty of water one hour before Bible study. Then 30 minutes into the message, you tell you that the toilets downstairs are very clean. I, I'm not joking. That's a certain be a temptation. You use money to entice you. He knows the, the word that will change your life is coming <laughs> at 528. Then one man who you have been asking to connect you with a particular business says, I have a meeting to end by 5. I will call you after my meeting. So you put your phone on vibrate and sit outside at the door there. Waiting for a man to call you. You don't know it's a satanic arrangement. God says, Banky, you will utter that word at 5.45. You will preach on that till 5.50. 5.44. Boom. The ant, the vibrating bee in your pocket go. You now whisper to Chubikem, please, I have to go outside. And you know what? The Lord keeps talking as if you are sitting right there. And the man will engage you on the phone for five minutes and explain to you that he's very sorry. Then you will come back in and sit down. And the word of liberation has passed. The one that scares me sometimes, there are times I pray, I say, God, please now forgive me. You know, there are things, I, I, I still remember one particular thing. It happened 20, if anything, something happened in 93. How many years ago is that? 27 years ago. Occasionally I would say, ask the Lord, be I told you I was sorry that time. I hope I didn't miss anything. <laughs> I've still been thinking, he, I kept on having a feeling I was supposed to be somewhere, but I left. I said, no, but I hope we have recovered it all. Because some of those things you missed, God said, the next opportunity is five years' time. Listen. <laughs> the older I get as a Christian, eh? the older, I, the, the more I fear. You know this confidence of, uh, hey, I don't have it to. One brother asked me today, sir, I want you to give me <laughs> tips on to develop, uh, how you develop an effective prayer life. I said, who told you I have one? He said, sir, I said, who told you I have one? I, I gave him, I said, maybe you should call Pastor Curry, maybe you should talk to my wife. I said, maybe they, have, maybe they will help you. I said, me, who told you I have one? He said, your own is good enough. I said, no, no, I'm still trying. I said, I struggle I did. No, I told him straight. Oh. I just sent a message to Pastor Christ. I said, this man wants to talk to you. Please talk to him. <laughs> I said, being a struggle like this. My wife has a lamb to wake her up to pray. A lamb for this one. I said, hey, Lord, my lamb goes off. I said, nah, I better sleep. Wait first. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good thing I'm doing. No. I'm just saying that I, struck, I don't I just feel like standing. No. I feel like, oh boy, work hard though. Work hard. 
work hard. I feel like telling you, say, bros, I can teach you a lot on prayer. That one I anoint him. What I'm going say, the older I get, the more I... Do you know, <laughs> the other day, okay, this will make you laugh. I was eating. My wife and my daughter, they gave me food. So I have the habit, I don't finish, a lot of times I don't finish the food I'm giving. God has helped me with that. You know, I told you I keep on getting better. Before, once you put the food in the plate, I used to believe this, this, uh, this, this funny doctrine. Instead of make food waste for this house, Belém must bust. I used to believe it. I don't, I don't believe it again. Food, please, waste. My Belém no go bust. There's one man, they said, went to a house. They gave him food. So he ate some, he didn't finish it. Yes, it was, so the, the woman of the house asked him, are you done? He said, yes. The woman said, you are not done. He called his, uh, the son. He said, Junior, come. And he, she decided the first time for Junior. Instead of mere food waste for this house, Junior answered, Belém must have bust. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Food they waste well, well. My wife said, you want to waste my food? I said, you can eat it. You are my wife. Bear one another's body. So that day I was eating. So I told her I was done. There was one massive piece of chicken left in the plate. She said, won't you eat it? I said, no, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. So I tried to control myself. I don't have to finish everything. I have a rule. Once I feel full, I must stop eating. That's my own fasted life. Once I feel full, you understand, I must stop eating. Before, if the food too sweet, uh, Belém must to bust. So that day I resigned. She now said, oh, uh, why did you not put that uh, chicken inside the... Soup now. It was supposed to be. It was this. She has a specially roasted, well, well barbecued, peppered chicken that she does once in a while. So I just said, Ah, is that this chicken? She said, Yes. Ah, now I move the plate back. <laughs> I said, Let me just. You know, I, it was not introduced to me that that special chicken. I said, Oh, well, praise God. I chop small. Ah, you know, sin is a bad thing, you know. <laughs> I chopped small. I chopped the other one. I kept on chopping until the whole thing finished. Plus, now two days diarrhea be that. Next, I was telling my wife, I don't know what I ate. In my mind, you don't know what you ate. You're not serious. You know what you ate. I'm like, ah, I don't know what I ate. I don't know what I ate. Something just kept on running through my mind. Banky, I told you to stop eating. You saw chicken. <laughs> You lost self-control. Ha! I said, Lord, but the chicken was... I said, you... You know, I'm not kidding, no. I said, I'm blaming everything. Maybe too much of the soup. <laughs> but in my mind, I said, Banky, remember, you were supposed to stop eating. I had gotten up, I had resigned, I said, I'm full. And I was full. Until they introduced the chicken to me. I said, Pastor Banky, meat prepared barbecue chicken. I said, are you serious? You did not introduce yourself. You were in the dish. Why were eating? I saw the chicken. I just did not know it was that type. Don't worry. One day my wife should give it to you. You know what I'm saying. In fact, one day one of my friends came from the U.S. He was watching his weight, you know. We were eating in the house. So he said he was done. I said, did you eat that chicken? He said, no. I said, no, you can't be done. Try that chicken. So the guy went for it. He said, hmm, this is the very stuff. I said, I warned you. <laughs> the chicken is really very nice. It's very, very nice. Very, very nice. In fact, really nice. Should I talk about the chicken song? <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> now, why am I telling the story? I just told myself, I said, my God. At the end, I said, God. But it was just chicken. But what 
I'm not saying the Lord said, I'm telling you my perception. But you have finished eating. Two days. That was my interpretation. I've, le- I've learned, let me get one of those things. I'm talking about discipline as a believer. Discipline. One of those things I learned is that, as we were having a meeting here, and I'm supposed to live here, okay, assuming we have a, like, okay, yeah, a social event. And I'm supposed to go somewhere by five. And the time, at that time, it becomes like five, uh, 4.45, put it out to five. And now say, oh, food will arrive in 15 minutes. I learned this years ago. The law forbids me from waiting. You're supposed to be there by five o'clock. You have 10 minutes to get there on your feet. If you don't bring, you are just to no matter how nice you don't change your schedule because of what you will eat, because of what you will get. Just go about your business. And when I didn't, you know, I didn't learn this thing from the Holy Spirit came to tell me. You learn obedience from the things that you suffer. So over, as you are moving over life, just distill some little disciplines here and there. Just little disciplines here and there. When it comes to one of my modern disciplines is that once I feel full, I stop. So if you want to give me food, don't, don't go and do, don't keep the best to the last. Too. Because by the time it reaches the last, I've logged out. So if I'm expecting good food, I, chop, I eat little at the beginning because once I feel full, I must stop. Why am I saying all of these things? To let us know as believers, we have to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Even in little things. You know, if you see, what am I talking about? Food. It's supposed to be a little thing. That's what I'm emphasizing about, about it. Little things. Little things. Even when I want to crack jokes, this day, if you say the way I struggle, is that thing, if, you, if, if it's taken literally, will it be right? So I have a lot of things I do. When I, like, I'm just with my classmates. Instead of saying things, I ask questions. I don't say things that if, I, if you take it like that, it won't be true. So I ask, thereby throwing the same thing at you as a query. So it's now left to you to answer me. Little disciplines. You know what I found out? One of our brothers asked me a question yesterday. It was the answer I gave, I gave him. I had given him the answer. I said, wow, this answer is beautiful. This answer is very beautiful. He asked a question that they have a Bible study. Somebody asked him a question that, can a Christian lie when it's critical? Let me give an example now. Abraham lied that it was his sister, not his wife. Rahab lied that the spies had gone away. Um, he gave me about two or three lies that people told. Even Jeremiah lied. When the king told him, tell them this and this, he did. So people quoted that scripture, those scriptures. And so he asked me, what do you think? Initially, I said, which kind of nonsense question is this one? Not from him, but from people. I said, many people really don't understand. It was the answer I gave that I said, no. I wanted to extract the answer and question and answer and just circulate it to people. Learn some things. I believe I answered by inspiration. One of the things I said is that, listen, Christians should bear something in mind. Our saints of old and of now, they, are, they were not perfect people. And the Bible is brutally honest about their imperfections. It will tell you how imperfect they were. The Bible, that's one of the reasons why a man like Paulson, we say the Bible has to be authentic. That if it was not authentic, you understand? There was no point to the things that the Bible tells you. What I'm trying to say is that just paint, in fact, it said that Joseph is the only man in the Bible of all those old uh, uh, saints 
that nothing negative was said about him. All the other ones, they will show you what Reuben did wrong, what Jacob did wrong. You will see the where Isaac, you know, dropped the ball, where Abraham dropped the ball, lied, denied his wife. Isaac, the same thing. You see Jacob twisting and turning. In fact, God called him a supplanter. You know what that means? This guy is not straight. You go all the way down. The saints were not perfect. That's point number one. Point number two. Jesus said, look unto the saints. Did he say that? Look unto whom? Jesus. I said, would Jesus lie for anybody? Lie, lie. Even if his life depended on it. Focus on Christ. So you go to the house of a life of Abraham, you know areas to avoid. You know my best example? David, the man after God's heart. We all know we should avoid killing Uriah and taking Bathsheba. We know that one now. But God said, David is not an example of marriage. So when you are studying marriage, please avoid David's life in its entirety. Avoid him. In the same manner, avoid Abraham's lie. I don't know whether you're getting my point. This was, this was where I concluded it. I said, did God not say, did Jesus not say, be perfect as Abraham is perfect? Answer me now. What did he say? Therefore be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What am I telling you? Christians strive for perfection. I said, instead of Christians looking for excuses to come down, no, strive for perfection. Ask yourself, if I, if I was Rahab, what would I do? That is, if, now, you can't use Rahab as your example because Rahab at that time was a practicing harlot who was looking for deliverance. What did she know? The fact that God used somebody's imperfection to produce a good result does not mean you go the same route. But you ask yourself, what will I do? One day I was supposed to go to court to testify about something. It's a very important case. A man's life depended on it. He was charged for killing somebody. So I had to testify because he had a damning evidence against him. When I read the evidence, it was false. You know, it's as if somebody just lied. So, but because it was a professional evidence, they needed another professional to refute it. And, and I explained to the lawyer that, look, the points of re, you know, rebuttal are so obvious that, don't worry, the judge will be able to see it. In fact, he as a lawyer, I saw it when I pointed those things out. He said he understands, but that they needed a professional to come to court. And I said, okay, no problem, I'll go. So, but they said that to make it easy, I don't have to come and answer all the questions in court. I have to depose on David ahead of time. No problem. So we wrote everything. Of course, I was the one guiding them. We wrote everything, gave it to me. I signed. They took it to the place they're supposed to go to, and then they stamped everything. And every statement was my statement, even though they helped me craft it in the in the legal way. But they were my statements. They were my conclusions. There was no falsehood, not one bit in it. Everything I did with an open heart, the righteousness of God. Amen. Then the day I appeared in court, he said, "Hey, there's one thing you forgot to tell me." I said, "What is it?" That the other lawyer may tell me whether I came here to, to swear to this affidavit. I said, but I didn't come here now. He said, no, no, if you say he did not come, wahala. find how you managed the wahala. Because I, I told myself, how am I going to go? I know. He said, no, no, sir, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I said, why didn't you just tell me that I was supposed Because I would have warned you that I'm not going to stand there. Now, I, I don't know where you get my point. We didn't do anything wrong. Though. 
It's just a procedural thing. To save my time, they helped me file it. He said I was supposed to file it myself. I said, why didn't you tell me? And, oh, I forgot, we're already inside the court. He was whispering it to me. I said, I look at myself, stand there. I said, no. So, now I'm talking about how you handle such things. So I turned to the Lord. I said, God, please, you need to help me out. I think a man is too old to betray this kind of lies. Not now. But the guy said, if I do it this way, I mess up their case. Listen, I can take my word for it. Their case was just. They were not just trying to do a job. It was a just case. That's why I got involved in the first place. I felt injustice was being done. So I did what I could do to correct it. You want to know how I handled it? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Okay, I'll tell you. I'm just kidding. I prayed. Though. I just needed a father in the name. I, just, I couldn't need it. I just said, Father in the name of Jesus. When they called me, I said, Father, no. I didn't have a decision made, but I said, God, I will not tell lies. So. What will I say? Anyway, long story short, I sat down there. Examination started. He did his own. The other lawyer started, asked questions. I answered finally. The judge said, you can step down. I said, okay. How did God deliver me? He made sure the other guy did not ask. Because I told myself, how will I do handle this matter today? Let me tell you something. Like I told my brother who asked the question. It's very, I like the answers I gave him. I said, listen. Every time you do that, you are rejecting the deliverance of God. And you'll be amazed. You know, I, I've told this story before about um, Strive Masiwa. We all know Strive. Strive is a Econet boss. All right? They started Econet Nigeria, but then they left for certain reasons along the line. I read this blog. I think I still have this stuff somewhere. We, we circulated at that at, at the time. You know, I, I compiled the different distance, we circulated it as just one single file. It was very beautiful. He said there was a time they had a problem with one company, of another tech company, and they decided to go to, well, not really court, arbitration, which is like a court anyway, that the rules of arbitration is one, or there are a number of rules. One of those rules is pure, that's complete and truthful disclosure. That is because in arbitration, it's not like they're not trying to do the smartest. They want to just find out the truth and settle the matter. Instead of you going to court for a long time. So, so he presented all the facts. Then just before they finished the whole thing, there was a document that one of his people just brought out and said, ah, this part of, he looked at it. Where did it come from? They told him. He said, I think it was an email. He said, this email, if he included it in their filing, they will lose the case even though he felt their claim was just. Maybe we're, they were asking for, now, please, some of these details, I may miss out, but you'll get the principle. I think they were asking the other people to pay them like $15 million. Those guys said, we will not pay. He said, we will sue you. So they went for arbitration. So when they were doing their disclosure, he said he saw that email, he said, Kai, things are bad. So this boy said, no, sir, all we need to do is hide it. He said, no, we can't do that. So he went and prayed and meditated. Finally told the people, put it inside. I like what the Jew have said. He said, if are, is it the Arameans are too much for you, I will come and help you. If the sons of uh, Ammon, they are too much for me, you will come and help me. 
He said, let's just show ourselves valiant for the, for the, the cities of our God and something, something. He said, then let the Lord do that which is pleasing in his sight. He said, let the Lord do what's pleasing in his sight. That was all he did. He gave them the stuff. Let God do what's pleasing in his sight. He said, what surprised him? Suddenly, the other company, after some days, wrote them, uh, whatever, maybe they appeared before the panel, arbitration panel, apologized, and decided that they are going to pay all the claim that Strive and Co. were making. As they were asking for $15 million, they said they would pay the $15 million. Any other thing? No. So Strive was wondering what happened. They are not even trying to argue now. Didn't they see the documents? He said he never found out what happened ever. He said, but he just suspected one thing. That those people felt, that was a suspicion, that these people must have felt that if this man can be bold enough to put this incriminating evidence against himself in the filing, there must be something else he's up to. <laughs> Are you getting my point? See, that was their conclusion, that something is giving him boldness. Let's deliver ourselves while we can. See, all he's asking for is $15 million. Maybe the Holy Spirit helped them to see that they may have to pay 40. So they decided that, ah, maybe they were hiding something. You never can. Strive said he never found out what really happened. All he just knows is that those people paid them everything they were asking for, apologized, and walked away from the case. Everything in life, child of God, is a test. Every single thing is a test. Every single thing is a test. I tweeted something this afternoon. That every, te- okay, actually, we said it last year, last week. Every temptation does one of two things. Either it empowers Satan in your life, or it releases the power of God into your life. That's the duty of every temptation. It either empowers Satan, or it increases the flow of the power of God in your life. If you resist it successfully, Satan has been, you know, resisted, disempowered, weakened, and the power of God is flowing greater. I released a teaching which I've been writing for some time on what I call treasure in heaven, even though I mentioned something about it last time. Treasure in heaven. Ah. Treasure in heaven. We limited it to because Jesus said, sell all you have, give to the poor. You have treasure in heaven. So we, we have linked treasure in heaven with money. But actually, after having studied the scriptures and knowing the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ, how the heavenly father works, that was not what he was saying. It was, money does not buy you treasure in heaven. So why did Jesus say so? It's simple. Go and check it. Every time in life that Jesus wants to compare God and somebody who struggles with the mind, uh, with the, um, for the heart of the people, with God, is always what? Mammon. So when he says, sell all you have, give to the poor, he was saying, deliver yourself from mammon, and you will have treasure in heaven. We think, I said it here last time, if that young rich ruler, assuming he was worth, let me use another um, uh, cash frame now, assuming he was worth a hundred million dollars, when Jesus says, sell all you have and give to the poor, if he gave us $70 million out of that money, God will not give him 70% treasure in heaven. Do you know why? 
What Jesus was going for, he would not yet have achieved it. What Jesus wanted to do is take your eyes away from money entirely. Come and follow me until he gives out every single dime of that money and walks and follows, follows Jesus Christ. He won't get one penny of treasure in heaven. It is not money you use to buy treasure in heaven. It is faith. Instruct those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or to place their hope on the uncertainty of riches. The same thing Paul was teaching, writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He was telling them, don't put your hope in money. And how did he say they will manifest it? He said, be generous and ready to share. What am I going to say? When Moses walked away from the palace and decided to go and stay with the slaves, when Moses began to associate with the people of God, when he lost his position in Pharaoh's palace, he was buying treasure in heaven. Why? That decision was made as a result of faith. By faith, he left. I hope you are getting my point here. Why did I bring up that issue? You build up treasure in heaven in your life by making critical decisions as you are going on in life. Every time you fail the temptation of God, you lose. You know the interesting part? You always gain materially. That's why it's a temptation in the first place. That is why it is a temptation in the first place. Every time you fail a temptation, you gain materially. But you lose out in the treasure in heaven. When I talk about treasure in heaven, you know, when I mentioned last week, I was talking about people who pray. That one of the things that decide the efficacy of prayer. See, if I say this, they be like, eh, listen, that I say people are different. One of the first tracks I wrote in my life, which one of our sisters used to use to do, do her evangelism, was, are you all equal before, are we all equal before God? I changed the title at the point in time to highly esteemed. She came to me and protested, say, sir, that title should be a we all equal before God. <laughs> so we did the only run of printing on highly esteemed. Change it back to a we all equal before God. In it, I said, no, we are not. And I'm saying it again, no, we are not. How can we possibly be? Do I need to be quoting scriptures? You know. God said to Jeremiah, in chapter 15, he said, if you like, call Moses, call Samuel. I still would not listen. That told me something clearly. Moses and Samuel are a different caliber of prayer warriors, which even Jeremiah did not reach. And in case you don't know, Ezekiel used to quote Jeremiah. Daniel would quote Jeremiah. Yeah, this God told Jeremiah, you know your senior brother Moses, that was a, that was a, that was, Moses was heavy. And Jeremiah recognized it. That's why God quoted it. Quoted his name. This was a prayer warrior. Samuel was a man whose word never fell to the ground. Why were they like that? That's when I make him. Why would a man like Moses stand? <laughs> you think at that time Caleb would have come and say, Maybe Caleb and uh, Joshua, we join their hands. Let's pray for the people. Let's stand in front of God. You could just die. You would just, just die for nothing. Come on, look at you. Look at you. Are we all equal before? We definitely are not all the same weight. If we were, why did God come down when Aaron and Miriam criticized Moses? 
They did not oppose him in decision making in other areas. They said, why will you do this? You, can you, you can't marry this girl. She's a black woman. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> Moses said, wife, he married. Miriam said, you can't do that. Aaron said, you can't do that. You may have forgotten their household. They are all from the same parents. And Moses was the youngest of the three. Yet, when God was going to talk to them, he said, sure you guys have heard of prophets? They said yes. He said, how did they get their revelation? They dream. They hear voices. They see blurry visions. The word of the Lord came to me saying, that's what you hear. You never heard Moses say that kind of funny thing. As I will tell you, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to me saying, did you ever hear Moses say, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the word of the Lord did not used to come to him saying anything. Moses will go down, sit down. God will take a chair. Moses will sit down and say, okay, where do we go from here? They will be discussing. He will come and say, okay, I finished the meeting. Now, this is what the Lord said in the meeting. That's how Moses used to talk. And that's what God told him. Say, when you see a prophet like that, you should be afraid to challenge him. What does that tell you? Aaron, the high priest of Israel, should be afraid to challenge a prophet like Moses. God said, these prophets are in calibers. You should know this is a different caliber of prophet. No, read your Bible. You don't hear Moses say, the word of the Lord came to me. <laughs> no. Yeah, the Lord used to discuss the things. So God would say, okay, do you have your paper? He said, yes, I do. Okay, let's write. write. No, no, don't write that. Don't write that yet. He'll write this one. When you get it, you tell them, they tell them, say, all right, all right. Now, if you don't understand, you come back and you let me clarify. Moses will say, okay, sir. Then he will leave. And when he will appear, everybody will cover their faces. Because he has so stayed in the tangible presence of God, his body had absorbed glory. Now, I used to tell you that sun does not bring light. It doesn't. Stars don't bring light. They absorb light. <laughs> what are you getting my point? What you are seeing is what God, when God said, let there be light, there was no sun. There were no stars. It has caused confusion with people. Light was just out there. At, at the end, God now packaged it. Is a packaged light that you now call sun, call stars. What I'm trying to say, Moses would go in there, absorb light. He was not a normal prophet. If prophets lined up those days, everybody will give salutes to Moses. Are we all equal? No. And it's not just about calling. It's about the way the man walked with God. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. Why? God said, oh boy, you will like it over here with me. Let me tell you what it means. God used to, what I want to say is not a joke. God used to enjoy the presence of Enoch. So he said, Enoch, come, come and stay with me. What am I going to explain here? Why are people different? When we're talking about prayer, I said last time, prayer is weed. Or prayers are weed. There are people who utter one word in prayer. It's weighty. It's, an, it's a mathematical thing. Words uttered is multiplied by the weight of the individual uttering the words. What I need to clarify for those who may not understand it, that it is not as if this weight was predetermined. That's why we're all equal. All of us 
have the same value, that is potential value, potential weight, weight we can reach. But how much, that's where we began it from, how much attention, how much value do we place on those things? Is what God is saying. So when Moses placed so much value on it, that he was willing to work out, let me explain what it means. Kings those days are not, were not presidents. I hope you get my point. Presidents had four years tenure. Then once he goes, if he manages to get a second tenure, eight years, right? Then they sacked him. Of course, the tenure ended. But all his appointees are no longer important. They leave. Kings those days, let me tell you what the kings were. Right now we have separation of power. Or separation of powers. Into what? Executive. The legislative. And then judiciary. The legislative, they are supposed to be the kind of most important because they make the laws. Then the executive will effect the laws. And then the judiciary will interpret the laws. Amen. Praise God. That's separation of powers. Amen. Let me tell you the truth. Pharaoh was the executive. He was the legislature. legislature, And he was the judiciary. He made, his presence was law. His words were law. I hope you're getting my point. He interpreted his own law. That's what they call a king. What I want to say. So imagine the kind of power that Pharaoh wielded. And Moses was a prince in Egypt. Their dynasty wouldn't come to an end. Sometimes dynasties will last hundreds of years. So the man is born a prince. He may not be a king because there can only be one maybe during his lifetime. And he will still be a prince till he dies. Sometimes people talk about Saudi, you know Saudi princes, you know how wealthy they are? Head of Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. That, that's what we call princes. Moses was a prince. That is, if it is influence, he had it, money, he had it, everything. He was taken as a, as a grandson to Pharaoh. And he grew up like that, learned in all the ways of Egypt. And then he got up one day, because his real mother had taught him some things. And he held on to the words that his mother gave to him. And he walked away from all that wealth. I don't know what I get the point. It's like Muhammad bin Salman, the de facto ruler of um, Saudi Arabia right now. It's like him traveling to Nigeria and applying for a job in Nigeria civil service. I don't know what you get what I'm saying. You know, you wonder what is wrong with you. He now tells that, you know, the truth is that I'm really a Nigerian and God said I should liberate Nigeria from people who be looking at him. Excuse me? So now he can't go back to Saudi. He doesn't have a house in the United States. Okay, just imagine that he now converted to Christianity. He can't go to any Islamic country. So he now comes to Nigeria. They say, coffee for lockdown. He can't go anywhere. And he's asking Pastor okay, Kemote, have they paid salaries? <laughs> I don't need to have them work in Enugu uh, State um, Pilgrims Board. <laughs> he said, bros, they don't pay. 
Say, nah, no, man just did hell. Man just did roast. You know, when you see this is Mohammed bin Salman, you know you'll be looking like, no, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. And you get to his house. Really? Ah, you say, say bro, it's not vexed, so. Now let this ground not day. I guess more Gary, where I just buy more, you'll manage. You know, looking like, excuse me, am I talking to Mohammed bin Salman? Whose cousins are billionaires? I hope you're getting my point. That is not him now. It's cousins. Whose father is a king? The de facto ruler? Ah, you know, you are thinking. Ah, one of the wealthiest Arab, if not the wealthiest Arab nation on the earth? <laughs> now, he's living in Enugu. Managing one BQ he rented in one of the new layouts in Enugu, because that's only where he can pay. And he asked him why. He said, the word of the Lord that came to my mother. <laughs> Either he's mad, or he really believes in God. You know, I keep on telling you, that until your life has some madness that can only be explained by your face, you never start to. Now, what am I going to explain by that? That was why, that was the foundation of the reason why the man was so weighty before God. God took him to the wilderness. 40 years, he trained him by himself until he became very, very meek. What am I saying of this is today? Just to encourage believers, let's reach out for the power of God. And the sense of value I quoted earlier determines what? The flow of virtue. As we grow older in the faith, you know the truth? <laughs> I see people who say grace, grace, grace. I, I know this one. I know it. It's the word of God. It's clear. The older you are in the faith, the closer you walk with God, the more difficult your life is. When, when, when I say difficult, not difficult in a bad way. What I mean is that you are not excused from anything again. Take Moses as an example. See, we have described how, much, how weighty he was. That was his problem too. That weight also means that your errors are weighty. Just like your words are weighty, so are your errors weighty. Aaron. Aaron was paper, paper weight. How do I know? He built an ark, a, a, a calf. Nothing happened to him. That's how you know paper weight people. He built a calf. Moses came, bros, what did you do so? What is this? He said, the people, you know, say, you know, you know how stubborn they are? They don't hear. They don't hear? Eh, they were just troubling me. They were just troubling me. They, they said they believe in God, but they want to see the God. And we couldn't see, find God, so... <laughs> no, God just looked at him. Swagbe. <laughs> You don't understand. God has such a low esteem of Aaron. He couldn't get angry. <laughs> you know, nothing happened to Aaron. Nothing happened to Aaron. Why? God has such a low esteem of him. He said, this is your senior brother. He has no sense. Moses did not build an ark. I'm sorry, a calf. He did not deny God. He just all got angry. And God said, speak to the rock. He struck the rock. 
God said, you have not sanctified me before the people. Come here. Moses said, I'm sorry. He said, no. This one, sorry, won't carry it. Ah, Moses like, he thought it was a joke. Lord, I said, I'm sorry now. I heard you. I just said it will not work. After some time, he came back. and said, Lord, I want to talk to you about something. Lord said, what is it? That thing that happened. I'm really sorry. I, I was not, I don't know, it was my misguided moment. God said, all right, you are sorry. Moses said, yes, all right, fine. I've heard you, but no. Hey, one more thing. I don't want to hear any discussion on that matter again. Listen, as you grow in God, get more serious. That's what I'm trying to say. Get more serious. Get more serious. Get more serious. We have to do it with the things of childhood. Get more serious. Now, let me add this one to it. And God is looking for people. You know, they are very scarce. To find people he can trust in, he can hand power to, very, very hard to find. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Why did I go into all of that? I just started, I don't know why I went into all of it, okay? I just felt, I don't know, the words just started coming from my mouth, but I began it, I know how I began it, by saying that let us attach strong value to the word of God. Let us realize that we, we are the hindrance to the flow of power, flow of the power of God, both in our personal lives and on the earth. Let us start making small choices, little things, it will appear like, that actually distinguishes, or that actually distinguish Moses eventually from Aaron. That as powerful as Jeremiah was, it will distinguish people like Samuel from, from his caliber at that point in time. They are little things, little things. And that's what I found that the Bible actually calls treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven is not how much money you have given. If you give it as an investment, it's treasure in nowhere. You know, the people are giving so that when they get to heaven, they will be rich. You are poorer than when you started. Oh, let me tell you. In case we have preached to you that this is how to get more money, give. We, we lied. We are sorry. No, we are in the we season. Some people, are, some of us are even very, very good. We have a good intention. So we say, give the money. You'll be rich in heaven. We also lied. We did not know what we were saying. That is for the purpose of being rich. That's what I'm going to say. Because when Jesus was saying, we misunderstood him. Jesus was not saying, buy treasure in heaven with money. He was saying, remove your eyes. Don't let mammon have the hold of your life. As your faith in God is stronger, your weight in heaven is, is, is more. Exercise yourself in faithfulness, in faith. That is how you become weighty in heaven. That was what the Lord Jesus was saying. So little things, every decision we are making, make your decision. Don't ask yourself, how will this please me? It's how will it please God? When we talk about being led by the Spirit, we don't mean how to hear voices. I keep on saying that thing, and I don't want to stop saying it, and I will not stop saying it for a long time. Because Christians go into practice of voices, hearing voices, and they hear a lot of confusion. They hear a lot of, you know, self that projected thoughts from themselves. 
Sometimes they hear thoughts from their neighbors. You, you must understand. If you focus so much on things that are beyond the normal, you begin to experience actually the paranormal. I, I gave an example once. Um, sorry, I, I read an, this example from Ed Cole. And of course, the pastor came to him and said, I don't understand what's going to me. One man came to him, a good Christian man. He said, I don't know what's going on with me. He said, what do you mean? He said, I've been having thoughts of having an affair with a woman recently. Ah, Edco said, why? The man said, I don't know. And that's what I'm calling you. That's what I'm asking you. Edco just said to him, look around your office. So the man looked, looked, he said, just look at the women there. Anything? Finally, honed on one. Say yes, my secretary, or one of the secretaries, was up. He said, "Now that you have mentioned it, I realized she actually has been changing recently. Her clothes have been getting tighter, shorter, a bit more revealing, and all of that." Ed Cole said, "That is where your problem is. That you are hearing her thoughts. Yes, you are feeling her vibes. She's the one pulling you. Because the man said couldn't understand." In fact, that was all. Worried. That's why he called this this this, this pastor. Edco was you know was 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 a minister of the gospel. So the man said, "What do I do?" Edco said, "You have one of two choices." He said, "Now he was joking, so please don't take it literally, all right?" He said, "You either sleep with her or fire her." Of course, he wasn't. The first one was just to let him know that you have only one option. Otherwise, he's going to terrorize you like this for a long time. You spend every day resisting, resisting, resisting the devil. So the man looks. He said, "She's a pastor's wife." He said, "Doesn't matter. I know what she's doing to you." The man went and thought about the prayer. But he said, "He's tired of the job anyway. He resigned and left." So people practicing voice, voices. Sometimes they hear voice of their neighbors. Some people say that, uh, I just feel that I should give this to this person. Yes, now, he has been praying. Covetousness. He's been looking at that to your shoe since you bought it. And claiming it, claiming it. You now say you hear, he didn't hear God. You heard the man's spirit pulling on your goods. <laughs> really? People hear the spirit of their own. Ambition. Ever since Pastor came to his church, they are now, you know, Sunday service, they are now 500. And I know I preach more than him. When the same school that time, his fellowship was just 20 people. My own was 100 people. Then his last birthday, these 500 people gathered together and gave him a very, very nice ride. His guy said, Amen. <laughs> You, you have been going from one village to the other. Teaching young people, secondary school boys that have no offering. Secondary school girls that have nothing to give you. But you've been changing their lives. They start, anytime you see, okay, they will now come drive to the last, if I, you've invited him for one meeting, he arrived in that car. While he was preaching, you were, you were worshiping and looking at the car. People didn't know what you were thinking. And every night you go home and we say, Father God, when will you remember me? And God said, did I ever forget you? He said, God, you don't, see, you don't seem to realize you have forgotten me. Look at the this car. Then once you turn that to a prayer point, the evil spirit jumps on your body. I'm telling you. So I said, you know how Okemute did it? He opened the church. Amen. One of my brothers told me something once. 
There's a pastor in the church, one of the pastors in the church, one of, the, one of his friends left and said, I'm that church. And somebody does that guy heavy money. They started a big church, you know, immediately. Ah, that one now came to him and said, Oh, boy, you're still here. God has not spoken to you yet. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Yeah. He said, ah, God hasn't spoken to you. What does that tell you? <laughs> oh, boy, hear the voice of action. What is God saying to you? There's action out there. Many people, that's when they now say that after praying and praying, I just hear God say, This area, I need to have a central location where we'll coordinate activity from. And then the Lord said to me, and then that day I was praying, and my spirit just caught the name of the church. It's called the Regional Activity Church of Christ. Amen. <laughs> and as soon as we went to CAC, the name was available. Why won't it be available? Regional Activity Church of Christ. <laughs> he said, I, I, that confirmed in my spirit that the Lord really spoke to me. I said, okay, no, Allah. That's how Balaam to help me say go. So do not tell you, say, hey, Pastor Bank, please come and commission the church. Of course, me say, I would not know. Nobody to pray. Hey, we'll go and pray now. Me and Okimu will now go. Anoint the place, pray for you. God say, Bank, you have to just go to your house. But for coming, two of your tires will not work again. <laughs> As you are going home, you climb one sharp, sharp iron. You know, this one, you know there are things that puncture tires. Some, some of them, they tear the tire. As you go, boom, 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 ah. Very good. You change that one. Five, 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 like 50 meters to your house. The second one will go, choo, 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 boom, ah. Because I just wanted to be able to go home. I'm taking two tires for that invitation. In heaven, you'll be saying, I did not know. He said, that's why I took only two tires. If you knew, I'll have taken the car. <laughs> the man said he had a voice. God spoke to him. No. It was, he's comparing himself with his friend that spoke to him. It was his desire to have that car that spoke to him. It wasn't God. And once he said God spoke to him, you can't counsel him again. Please, if you have listened to this, you've not, you not read my book, Guided by the Spirit, please go and read the book. Oh. I'm begging you. Go and read Guided by the Spirit. I explained it inside there. To be guided by the Spirit means to understand the heart of God, generally speaking. To have a right motive concerning everything you are doing. To have the, a right motive. Your primary motive must be, is this pleasing to God? That's it. There are many other motives. That are right. Secondly, things like, is this in line with the purpose of God for my life? Why I say, say that one second is that understanding can change in that direction. But the first thing is that, is this pleasing to God? It's not will it get, get me results. I've told you, forget this gospel of results. Because we don't know how to define results. Your church moved from 50 members to 500 members. Maybe a sign that you are walking in sin. It does not have to, it doesn't mean that, ah, uh, now, I've seen, look, I just, you know, some stories are personal, private, you can't just talk about them. One man I heard of that, and they say, ah, the moment he opened his church, the ministry exploded. That explosion was a real explosion. It blew. I mean, blow up and in bomb destruction. The thing we, we knew the man for before, we stopped knowing him for it. Later on, it was scandals and troubles we were hearing. What do you call expression of ministry? Now, where you go, you are respected. Man of God, man of God. Bowing, people bowing to you. 
They are giving you plenty of offerings. You think that's the expression of ministry? Listen, you put yourself in Satan's shoes for a moment. If you want to destroy somebody, won't you offer him something? Don't let this results matter dominate your life. Moses obeyed God. He lost his Muhammad bin Salman throne. Are you getting my point? The example we gave earlier. Please understand this. It was not for two days. It was in the first instance for 40 years. So if you judge that decision, in the first five years, it was bad. In the next five, ten years, it was bad. Forty years, it was bad. He returned back to Egypt. There was nothing good about it. He said, eh, you know, um, God said, I should come and deliver you. You think people just followed and said, well, oh, deliver us, come. They called him and said, why have you come? You have doubled our troubles. Once he went to Moses, uh, to Pharaoh, and said that uh, God said, my people should go for worship. You know what Pharaoh said? It's because they don't have work. Henceforth, double the quota of brick. Of course, he didn't say it like that. He said, stop supplying them straw. But you must deliver the same amount of brick you were supposed to deliver. They say, yeah, Oga, what time will we use to go and look for straw? He said, I don't care. He said, I realize that you have a lot of time. That's why Moses can talk to you. That decision was still bad. Depending on how you calculate results, listen, all the people he took out of the promised land that was an adult, apart from two of them, including himself, died in the wilderness. That's why Paul said, let's not judge these things before the time. As I tell pastors, your reward is in heaven. If you look for a car too much, God will give it to you. And then you cut a bit of your heavenly weight. You know that treasure in heaven. Just serve God. If you need, need something, ask him for it. He doesn't have any problem with you asking him. One of the prayers I pray, you know, remember that time we were going to Makati. I, I, I told you guys, one prayer I prayed, Paul said, I have for coveted nobody's goods. I just realized I couldn't be prayer. I, I, I mean, there are prayers before when we were younger, maybe we would have thought about it. That one day, this one, I said, now, God, if God's a bank, what can I do for you? I said, remember that in Moses, uh, uh, Paul said, I have coveted nobody's goods. God, put it in me so that I will be able to save with conviction. Uh, for me, that it became my prayer. It's not that Lord, one day, huh? one day, men of God are flying private jets. Huh? Me too, I'll fly private now. Make... God says, where are you going? You have not even asked me for where you will go first. You're asking for me how you will go there. You want to fly private from independently out to wait a market. There are people who are asking for private jets. They are not going anywhere. This whole lockdown has not affected them at all. They were not going anywhere before. They said, lockdown, lockdown. They, they, they can't understand what you mean by lockdown. What is going on? Because everywhere they've been going, they are still going. Yeah, the same person is praying for, praying for private jets. Angels can't be depressed. We make them laugh. Our funny behaviors. What is being led by the Spirit is to have the right motives. Is to do that which is pleasing to God on a daily basis. That's all it is. Paul said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For more than 20 years, I was confused. Walk by the Spirit. I was confused. We thought that, what's my Spirit saying? Paul never said so. Paul said, every law has a spirit. 
Walk by the spirit of the law. And what is that love? It's love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Paul said that's the spirit. If you do it, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's how to be led by the spirit too. So as we grow older in Christianity, that's what I was making, we become, we become more serious. Generally before, and as a younger believer, there are general things that please God. We learn those things. But as we grow older as believers, we, take, we will become more careful even in little things. In telling somebody I'll come by five and you will not go there. Quarter to five, somebody has called you, say, this one favors me more. You call the person and cancel. Because you don't know he prepared for you. Cancel his own appointment to so make sure that he's ready for you. I've seen preachers, they'll tell you they are coming to preach. You invited them to come to your church, your anniversary, your convention. They're two weeks for your own. One bigger man who gives bigger honorarium calls them. They'll tell you that my father called. I cannot say no to my father. All they are calling father now is the man that gives money. Undoka. Now, I see all kinds of funny, funny things. We have printed your name on our flyer. But you know, I'm not really not the past 25K because we don't have more than that. But this is your father. He will give you 200K. This is your father. When you raise money for him, he gives you half a million. Say, my father called. To disappoint you. Say, why didn't you go? My spirit did not say I should go. Don't lie. Money, is, money has a hold on your spirit like this. The Lord is good. As we grow older, little things, you know, they, they begin to matter to us more than ever before. Like, you know, I began all of this by saying that, <laughs> you're suddenly the world, tell anybody looking for you, please come at 7. We close at 7. But just make it safe. Come at 7.20. Because sometimes our pastor talks too much. <laughs> he won't close on time. When the anointing is upon him. If you come before that time, you say, ah, I will carry the job somewhere else. So say, bros, what I want, I'm collecting from there. You can't give it to me anyway. All right, the Lord is good. Let's start with this message, I beg. That was just to greet us. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> After this one, I preach. If you go somewhere today, then you, your case is bad. <laughs> Your case is bad. <laughs> the Lord is good. Let's open our Bibles. School of prayer. Let's get to our school of prayer. That was such a school of exhortation. School of prayer. We're talking about how to pray for the church, all right? And I want us to read two portions of the scriptures again. Let's read the one we read last time. Very important. The book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, sorry, please, so as to save time, I may jump a few lines, which may not be very critical for what we are studying this time, but they are still very important, just that um, we are taking the more critical ones. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, he said, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek, seek him by prayer and supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. 
I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Then Daniel said, Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame as it is this day. In verse 8, it says, Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. What he was saying essentially is that, God, you are just in all your ways. For doing this to us, you are righteous. He said, verse 9, Now, even though these things belong to us, one thing remains with the Lord, verse 9. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness. For even though we have rebelled against him, that's what I was trying to say. Say we have rebelled, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord to walk in his teachings. All Israel transgressed. I'm in verse 11 now. He now said, All Israel transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us. See that. It was not, you know that God likes to do it. It's because of our transgression. Now I'm just, I'm, for time's sake, I'm just jumping here and there. He now said in verse 15, let's just go down to verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, we have brought, who, are, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt? Because they did that in the past. And did it with a mighty hand. And have made a name for yourself, as it is this day. He said, we have seen, we have been wicked, we know. But in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. And the city which is called by your name, for we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. We read this last time, just I so be able to read it again. I would have loved to read um, John chapter 17. We read that one also yeah, a while ago. But um, because we will not be able to go into more details about it, let's just leave that one for now. I just want to use the last few minutes I have to remind us of the thing we said last time, and then hopefully we'll be able to build on it All right, next time. What are we explaining again? We are one body. Somebody say amen. amen. Now let me just say something to you. You cannot pray until you have the right value system in your mind. Yes. You can't pray. We're talking about people praying for the body of Christ. The most important thing we need to note, first of all, in all of these things, is that we have the right framework in our hearts. 
For example, I said it last time, I emphasize it so much. We cannot do a you and us, you know, them and us thing. We have to see ourselves as one body in Christ. That's one. Number two, we must understand that. Let me say something quickly. I'm not saying be nice and see yourself as one body. You are one body. I hope you get my point. Let me talk about Nigeria for a moment. So if you're not in Nigeria you're listening to this, please pardon me. I'm based in Nigeria and my first assignment seems to be, or especially when you're doing what I call prophetic teaching, that is you are speaking direct words to people about situations. It seems to be to the church in Nigeria. But the same principle applies to any church anywhere, all right? Don't ever forget this. God caught the nations of this earth by himself. He did. No colonial master did it. The colonial masters were doing the work of the father. All right? That's what happened. He did it. the nations. In his wisdom, he joined countries in different ways. And in his wisdom, and please, it's not a new thing. We make it look as if countries have always been tribes of people. They've hardly been like that. Really. If he, those days, do you know how big Babylon was as a country, as, as a, as an empire? Empires have been there big. People have been mixed for a very, very long time. The origin, if you see, where do you not divide it actually? Because if you want to say, what makes you, for example, you say I'm an Igbo man, as an example, what makes you Igbo? Somebody gave birth to you, you don't, you, I, I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because you don't know whether the TV man and you are from the same father. What I mean is this. Yorubas will say that they have one common ancestor. Who is that? Odudua, right? Good. Who, how do you know? I don't know. I'm just giving as, as an illustration. Assuming um, Odudua, we, we know some stories about him that was told about him. I, I don't know whether they are true or they are false, but they were told. But let's, let me try and uh, buy something else from that. Assuming that Odudua had a brother who is the ancestors of the TV people. I hope you're getting my point. And they have another brother who is the ancestor of the Jibawa people in Taraba State. So why are you different tribes? I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. Why don't you just take it from Lamurudu? Oh, Lamurudu is the father of Uzudua. That was by Yoruba, this thing. Yeah, no, they know his father. One man claimed that that was Nimrod. I don't know. And it sounded like some film like Lamurudu, Nimrod, Numurudu, some kind of thing. I mean, I don't know whether you're getting, getting, getting where I'm going to. It's God that decides. What I'm trying to say is that, for example, the descendants of Jacob are different from the descendants of Esau, but they are both descendants of Isaac. It's God that decided that. That decided to separate them. He said, you I have chosen. Do you get my point? I mean, most of those people around those areas, they are descendants of Abraham. The other day I was watching a history program on um, France 24, that's their news this thing. They're talking about um, the um, uh, Emperor Haile Selassie, the ones that people say is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah that uh, Rastafarians believe, believe in. Those Ethiopians believe that it's a direct descendant of, of Solomon. That's what they believe. That it's a direct descendant of King Solomon, which, if it is true, makes him a direct descendant of David. Which, if it is true, makes him a direct descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Which, if it is true, a huge number of those guys are Jews. And everybody claims to be a Jew anyway. You know why they claim to be Jews? He favors them. A lot of them are Arabs, forget them. But they don't want to, want to claim to be Arabs because they are not on the side of America. So, 
The other day, what, what is his name? Nam de Kano. He says he's a Jew. I says, it's not your fault. Even too, I'm a Jew. Everybody looking for something to, to hold on to. Anyway, what am I, what am I trying to explain? See, if you see, you can tie human beings into different kinds of networks. That's the point I'm trying to make. But why are the descendants of Jacob different? Don't tell me because Jacob took the promise. That's not just why. Why was there a promise? I hope you're getting, you're getting what I'm trying to say. Inside that, among the descendants of Jacob, they behaved different ways. Some of them were very, very bad people. This Judah, Judah will make noise about. You don't want to be Judah. The man, Judah. Now, the modern pastors have made Judah look like the name of righteousness. See, praise is good, which is the meaning of Judah. But the man that bought that name first, but will not be a good guy. God just tolerated them. Said, just bump picking for me. Let me use the picking. Reuben. Ah. Even his father said, oh boy, your own is bad. Reuben, my firstborn. You are indisciplined. You will not excel. So listen, what I'm trying to say is this. Is God, that's why Moses kept on telling them, you are not a good people. He said it to them. God just chose you for whatever he wants to do. What am I trying to say? In modern times, therefore, he wanted to do something else. He rearranged his choices. He arranged the way he cast people out. So he said, now, mix the natural tribes up for me. I will not divide them on a different basis. That's what he does now. I'm telling you the truth. I like what the Erufai said that time. When Nigerians say that um, the problem in Nigeria is, you know, you've heard it, I see here all the time. The problem is that uh, two, we, are, we are different people. All of us are black. Oh, are you getting my point? But now we know we are different. We are different people. How did we come together? If only we can go our separate ways, we'll have peace, we'll have this. Erufai said, Somalia, they are all one people. They all speak the same language, and they are 97% or more Muslims. They, if we dash them a quarter of our peace, they will say, thank God. They've not seen peace in a long time. It's suicide bombings, killings, kidnappings, war, all kinds of things. Yet they are one people. Listen, let me tell you the truth. Even if you are one, even if you are a family of five people, father, mother, three children, if God does not give you peace, you won't have it. One woman, look, I heard a story somewhere not too far away from here, not here, no, a bit, some, a few states away. She had two, their, their father was, well, I don't know how rich he was. Her husband, the man died. He left property. His two sons fought over the property. One killed the other in her presence. Oh, you know what that means? Police collected that one and put in prison. Now she's sonless. They were fighting over a house. That's a family, not a tribal. If God does not grant you peace, if you go home, you and your siblings, you greet each other, ah, bros, how now? Thank God for you too. Yes, <laughs> Let me not be telling you bad stories. Let me sit on my message. So God made up his mind. This is how I want to carve things this time. I just like to educate Christians. Don't join politicians. Don't join people who are fighting for political relevance. They make you a pawn in their game. Be a believer. Be a believer. 
I know what it means to be a believer, to believe something. What do you really believe? That's what I'm saying. I'm giving you the word of God. The Bible says that he has called the boundaries according to the number of the Israel of God. I combine two scriptures there. He said, according to the number of the sons of Israel, and Paul said, peace be upon the Israel of God. What am I saying? God wanted to do something. So he said, carve a people for me. Call them the church in Nigeria. I'm telling you how the God of heaven, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, reasons. He carved the country to produce people that he will call the church in Nigeria. They are the people of his purpose. Doesn't mean we are perfect. I know as a country we have a lot of bad names. Uh, we do. Corruption. In fact, some of our bad names, it has humbled white people, Americans. The kind of internet fraud we do, they are, they are amazed. Oh God, you know, the intelligence is too much. They can't insult us that this, this black, you don't have sense. No. We, are, we took sense, went to their country. I remember the days of one guy from Abia State, little boy here. They used to call him in the clubs in America, T. T stole the one they could trace, $80 million with his mobile phone and the hotel room and the laptop. Just in the hotel room, stole $80 million. That's the one they could account for. They estimate that the guy did over $100 million. This guy, the picture that day, he and his boys did $400 million. Bad name we, we, we have been given. Why am I telling you the story? Because Judah also had a bad name in the Bible. Yet, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. There was a time where one of the biggest drug Korea companies, we don't produce, we don't consume. Our consumption is very low. We don't produce anything but grass, which is legal in Canada and most of Europe. But we carry so much of drugs. There was a time. If we're known for corruption, we still government money, that kind of thing. Judah was a bad man too. Judah impregnated his daughter-in-law thinking she was a prostitute. What does that tell you? He went out to prostitutes. But Jesus is now called what? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, enough for respect I have for Jesus and his wisdom. I wouldn't have said that. So, if I tell you that he carved a nation like this out for a purpose, better believe it. Don't let full any headsmen trouble deceive you. No, don't let it deceive you. Jacob, do you know what Jacob was? Supplanter. But God knew what he was doing. And I can give it to you as a prophetic word for this country. He's doing something also. From different credible men of God, we've heard it. They have given us an, our, our, a primary assignment to disciple the whole continent and the rest of the world. Sometimes it excites me that I as a person and those who, who I know, many of my brethren, people like you who are working with me, that we are part of what God is doing in that regard. That when he was carving the nations years ago, over, that's, oh, yes, over 100 years ago, when he was carving it, he knew that one day we'll stay here. He knew that one day we'll put a camera up there and be shooting this word all over the world. He knew. He planned it. Sometimes I tell my wife, I say, you know, you could, we could have said no. We could have gone to do somewhere, something else. We can say, let's go and build a house first. And we have established our business. Our money is coming regularly. We cannot do the ministry. We could have said that. And then we'll have frustrated the thing that he planned. See, you cannot pray effectively unless you bear these things in mind. Understand that God has a plan. He has a purpose. 
You are part of that plan. You are part of that purpose. The enemy, let me tell you what the enemy does. I close with that. This is what the enemy does. He tries to entice us away from that purpose. He can't force anything. He can't. What he does is what? Entice us away. I told you something one of my pastor friends said. When he saw the way God delivered their, is in the north. The way God delivered their own city. Delivered their own region from this onslaught of all these things that has been going on for some years now. They now ask himself, what happened to the other area where the things don't go that well? Where things were so bad? Then he says something that what came to his mind is that the people that God planted there, they left. Because the peace they enjoyed, they know what it took to get that peace. They were not just praying in their homes. By prophetic utterances, they would go and pray in strange places. Have you ever gone out in Enugu here, which is southern Nigeria, which is generally cooler than northern Nigeria? Have you ever walked barefoot on our third road in the afternoon? Have you ever tried it? Try it one day. One day I tried it by accident. You know, just in a hurry. So I just, ah, mistake. Not the same mistake. And I think I was supposed to sign some documents. Yes, this is how I was doing It was terrible. This, my brethren, when it was time to pray, they went onto the road like that. Up there in the north, the Lord said, remove your shoes. So, sometimes I want to pray in my house. Sometimes I just tell my wife, say no. I said, no. This lying down like this on the bed. I said, I feel funny. I said, just get up. At least sit up. I tell my children in the morning when we are praying, we can sit down to study the scriptures. I said, when it's prayer time, you have to stand or kneel. Choose one. You can't remain. I don't know. I, in my mind, I just feel so, I just feel one kind. <laughs> in fact, Sadhu will tell you that he has never seen a saint pray and they are not bowed down. The other brother was giving me that testimony. They removed their shoes. They stood there in the hot sun with the baking earth under their feet. And the Lord said to them, can you feel the heat on your feet? He says, so will these people, will this land be hot for the invaders? <laughs> see, I said, let's take this Christianity seriously. We play too much. We think God's job is to get us food and bread. Praise God. Lord, I just declare, my drain in my bread with fish. Amen. Praise God. And go and give testimony. Amen. After that hot all night, I got loaf was waiting for me at home. Amen. It's working. It's working. That's how we play. When God created a nation for a purpose, we are so occupied with the deficiencies of Jacob. We are so occupied with the deficiencies of Judah. We don't know that Jesus wants to name himself after Judah. We don't know that he's plotting to call himself the lion of the tribe of Judah. Every day what we do is spend time identifying the deficiencies of Judah. God called himself by a man's name. He used to be called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And you are spending every time in your life, every moment, explaining how bad Jacob was. 
how he stole the inheritance. He never stole, he bought. He, he didn't steal, he bought. He bought it. It was his father that wanted to cheat him out of what he has paid for. It was wrong, it was subterfuge, it was deception, but he did not steal, he bought. You are sitting all the, spending all the time. A man who God took time out to clean 20 years, at least whatever sin he committed, Laban made sure he paid for it. In the house of Laban, 10 times they stole from him too. She told him 10 times of his wages. Let's, we have not talked about the wives though. But God said, listen, I will be called by that name, the God of Jacob. So he carves nations for himself. Then Satan and I helps us or tempts us to spend all the time discovering the iniquities in Jacob. Meanwhile, you know what God said? Balaam was prophesying. He said, meanwhile, God has beheld no iniquity in Jacob. But we spend the energy, just because we have human eyes, we can't see purple with purpose. So we join those who, have, who feel disenfranchised, who can't do well in business. And they, the only real excuse they have why their business is not doing well is Buhari. Before Buhari, it was Jonathan. Before Jonathan, it was Yaradua. Yaradua was the reason why they never did well in business. Then, before that time, they were not yet doing business. So, so start from Yaradua. But their father didn't do well in business too because of Abbasanjo. And because of Abbasanjo, it was because of Absalami. And before Absalami, it was because of Abacha. Before Abacha, it was because of Trineka. All those who had conspired to make their family poor. So they said it is because of Nigeria. They now start having revelation. Praise God. The Lord revealed to me this country was formed in the bottom of the Atlantic. Poverty can make you see all kinds of visions. Frustration. If the man had prospered in this land, he said, Amen. I was sent here by God. Hallelujah. And then people like, will be following them. All they see that every day shows iniquity in Jacob. Meanwhile, God said, listen, that's not the assignment. You are said, I created this nation for a reason. I needed a Jacob, the church in this country. That's what I want. And I have this particular purpose for them. So right now, they are spoiled. They are plundered. Iniquity has done a lot of things to them. But I need somebody to rise up and say what? Restore. I need people to join with me and, you know, pull the, the purpose back on course. Several times, and, and I'm giving you this as a prophetic analysis, Several times we have seen this nation rise and the church with it. Then the church, you know, like we said last time, Jeshurun became fat and kicked. As God lives, many of the cathedrals we are building, he has to break them. They are wrongly appropriated funds. Yes? Yes? Pastor, if you are listening to me, if you build that building as pride, to your calling. It's coming down. You can give the FCT minister or governor or president, I will use any name you like, I don't care, but it's coming down. Why? Because Babel began to manifest in your midst. There's a reason I scattered Babel. Men began to build for their pride. When I say to them, fill the earth, they say, no, we don't want to live here. Let's build something to show the glory of our name. God said, call it anything you like. Call it ministry. I will scatter it. As I live, I will scatter it. 
They don't want to be scattered. They walk out to you by body. I will not preserve it. I won't. There is a purpose. What I'm trying to say. So we are raising prayer warriors. The Lord is saying to guide this purpose back on track. Do you get my point? Guide the purpose back onto the track. The the, the train, all right, has gone off track. Lift it back. Put it back on track. How do you do it with prayer and prophetic utterances? I said something at that time that when prophetic words come forth, it's, it's supposed to drive the church to prayer. But one thing I said last time, which I want to reemphasize, is that everybody should see yourself as captain of this boat. If it goes down, if everybody is not out, I'm going down with it. Just reason like that. Pray like that. Get angry like that. What do I mean by get angry? There are times you see what we pastors are doing. What our churches are becoming. Get angry. Stop making excuses. Listen, let me tell you something. There are times we honor people. Though, eh? But don't honor people until you die in the process. There are times you tell a man of God, Pastor, please, I won't go pee. So that you can miss his train. I don't know whether I get my point. If your pastor is carrying you astray and you know it, look for an excuse. Say, I beg, let me quickly go and do something. When you know they want to go. Don't, they... Old prophets are very dangerous people when they have derailed. They are very dangerous people when they have derailed. I saw one of my news report about one pastor a few days ago. I just shook my head. I told one of my Somebody I know in the church that day, I said, who told you you owe a duty to defend this man all the time? I said, at least you and I can agree on one thing. He's not preaching the gospel. Let's not agree whether it's right or wrong. For example, every time I come here now, you understand, I start giving analysis of the contents of milk, of, uh, of whether it's powder or, 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 or liquid, and how you can combine it with soya milk, and then use them, uh, put a bit of this thing, ugu leaf, and then you will never get coronavirus. Do you understand? You know, you can stand there and be arguing on whether I'm right or I'm wrong. I can stand and say, okay, I have natural training in medicine. I want to tell you how all these anti, because all kinds of anti-malarias have been tried now to treat uh, COVID. I can tell you why, I can sit down here and tell you why COVID does this, why it doesn't do this, the relationship between vitamin D and no vitamin D, and all of that. And this has been based on analysis, medical analysis, and I'll spend a whole hour teaching you that next time. I say, come back next time, we are going to continue. Now, most of you here are not medically trained. Those who are medically trained can pick me up on a few things and disagree. The question I want to ask you is this. Whether I'm right or wrong, is it relevant? Is that the gospel? I told somebody that day, I said, <laughs> I said, my dear, at least one thing you should be able to admit with me is that your pastor is no longer preaching the gospel. Say, no, I, start, I, mean, I have to defend my man of God. I have to defend my man of God. Let me tell you the truth, eh? You will die with him. I don't have time to say it. You will die. I'm usually before him. We have to steer this train right. Oh. We have to steer this train back on track correctly. This loyalty, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Jesus Christ. This division, reckless division, my problem with it is not even about denominations. Is that you will see a man like, do you understand? When you see adults defend stupidity, you look like, see, one day I told one of my friends, my, my, my friend I brought, we're talking. He said, 
Can it be this bad? I said, bros, I did not know it could be this bad. Too. You see, intelligent people defend stupid things. I'm not even talking about gospel now. That is, you, you know scripture. Open your natural eyes. Must you follow a man into the ditch? God bless me with something, eh? From time. Because we are streaming live, I can't give you some details. Once I went to one place, man of God, I love him so much. One of the people I love. I love him tremendously. I sat on that day, he preached, he preached, he preached. Everything he preached, I noted it down. I was not settled. I said, no, sir. You are wrong, sir. He will explain, I said, no, sir. I sat through that day, like four sessions of core teaching. I said, no, sir. You are wrong. But who will I tell? This is a very big man. Who was I at that time? Ah, I was, I was not at peace. I just called one of my friends, you know. I waited till he closed. He came. I said, please, my soul is heavy. I went to the so place. These are the things that this man preached. I showed him what the man said. I showed him scriptures that made me disagree. We went through this one by one. He said, yes, I, I agree with you. Listen to me, senior man of God. I told myself, you're wrong on this one, sir. So, next time I went to go and listen to him again, I went to listen to him again. I don't know why we have this attitude that once I'm following a man, I must follow everything he's saying. Even if he said, let us all climb the mountain and jump into the Atlantic, we will jump. We carry both our natural brains and our spiritual discernment abilities with fright. It is not, you don't, owe, I told somebody that I said, you don't owe it to, no, you don't owe it to God to follow me till, listen, if tomorrow I have a revelation that gives me a right to put away my wife and marry one other woman, don't, stop coming here. She is on record now. Because I will change my mind when I start doing that, those things. I will tell you it's a lie. But at least now you have the record. Say, Oga, you talk at that time. But when I want to start doing I have to first explain to you, you know, I will twist the scriptures. And my wife was called to Abakliki, me, I'm called to Enugu. And two cannot work together except they are agreed. Right. I've just begged you, stop coming here. I know you will come anyway. You stop coming anyway. I know you will stop. Amen? Praise God, may you stop when I start going mad. Please now, I'm begging you. So at least that will show me that something's wrong. Okay, they should be the first to resign. Israel, you, just have, Israel, you have a new calling. <laughs> you know, when I realize I'm alone, you know something that I'll wake up. Come for Bible, so nobody to even help me open door. <laughs> nobody to help me do anything. Hopefully, my wife will say, eh, Pastor Courage is calling you. Hopefully. But you know when everybody's following me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Our man of God said, You are not helping me. Please pray for me. Or don't say, oh, Pastor Bank is too much. You can't go much. What did I say you should do? Pray for me. Then while you are praying for me, pray for yourself too. That Lord, Pastor Banky will keep on saying what is right. But let me add another prayer. In case he wants to say what is wrong, don't let me believe him. Bring a man that knows more and more anointed than him to replace him and displace him. Send him at home. Let him not be able to get out from his house again until his head is correct. It's a good prayer. You know why? Because we have a duty. You know, sometimes my wife and I will speak. I say, listen, I look at my life, okay? The little that God has used me to do. <laughs> One thing I used to tell my wife, I said, listen, hmm? I look at the training that God gave us from school. 
Some of the things I quote, I'll tell you in 87, this happened and all of that. I said, fear catches me that we shouldn't throw it away. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So at the time I told the Lord, I said, listen, God, please, eh? If you want me to be poor in this life, I don't have any... I told him like that, though. And as in Lagos, that I'm sure my wife. I said, if you want me to be poor in this life, please, I'm sending it to you now. I have no problem with it. The only thing I asked him for is that when that time for poverty comes, that if that's how it's going to be, you know, you know Sadhu Savaraj? If you, if you tell... <laughs> I listened to him the other day. He said some things that God took him through. I said, no wonder the man sees heaven. So I thought the Lord, if it's the cost of seeing heaven, I don't really think I want to see it like that. When would I go see him? <laughs> because if you see, the man went on a journey on the Himalayas wearing only that his funny saffron robe, no singlet, nothing under, barefoot. His feet were so badly damaged. He was crying in his room. Then opened his eyes and the Lord Jesus appeared to him, took the feet in his hand and prayed for him. I said, Jesus, if, if that's what it takes to get vision, I like Enugu. I like my shoes. <laughs> ah, if you see what people have seen. I tell my wife all the time, that's why I can't complain. Because I don't know what to complain. I've I followed people that have suffered. I have followed people. I read their stories. If you see the suffering they've gone through. So because this is not giving me constant power. I will not complain. Because if you do that complaining, I know where to send you to. You won't see can do in two years. At night, you'll have to make fire to keep out the snakes. Because men have gone through that. That they will make fire to keep out wild animals. Keep out snakes because they are going to preach. (laughs) Brethren, I look at it, I say, listen, after God has trained us, so I pray that time, I said, dear Lord, please, if his poverty is not the problem, the only thing I just asked him for is, please, can I, I would like to be single. That's what I told him. So I can do my suffering all by myself. That kind of suffering, please don't marry. It's not, it's wicked. Marrying is wickedness. Trek barefoot on the, on the Himalayas because they are going to preach in Tibet. You won't even go and preach in Lagos, Tibet. Don't marry, please. Oh, that was what he was doing before God gave international ministry. That, that thing was a big generational issue with Indians. God called <laughs> He took after a man that disappeared like that. Sadhu Sundar self sink. The guy would trek in the snow for days. One day, some men were going with him somewhere. They, all, they got tired and they, one of them fought himself. Say, I'm going back. Because he said, somewhere in the cave, he, has a, he saw a man that's over 300 years old. I just saw my sister, I went to Sadhu that day. I said, This must be an Indian calling. We don't have it. You see snow for Nigeria. But the point I'm making is that, listen, whatever it will take, we, God has a purpose. And we must not be the ones that will thwart that purpose. So I told my wife that I said, listen, what God has prepared, I just realized that why, what if we had thwarted it somewhere along the line? I said, no, it will not be my generation. I will not be responsible for that. God, please don't let money, desire for comfort, take me away from the thing that you have labored for with us over time. One of my saying to the people of God today, please listen, people of God, 
God is recruiting each one of us to see his purpose in the midst of everything. To look into Jacob's life. Yes, it may be a supplanter, but know that there's a seed of God that God wants to name himself after in the life of Jacob. Judah, he may be a homemonger, but remember his name really is praise. And there's a seed inside Judah that God is going after so that Jesus plans to name himself the lion of the tribe of Judah. He said, think of that when you are praying. Think of that when you are agonizing. Remember, you are part of that. You are part of it. Don't let the bad name they have given the country, all right, make you lose sight of the church that is in it, which is actually the real seed. The nation is just the flesh. The Bible says that each one bears fruit with seed in itself. The nation is like a fruit, but inside it is a seed that God wants to scatter everywhere. And let me tell you the truth, you are one of that. You are part of that. But you have a duty, you and I, to pray, to set that train on track. I hope I've made sense what I've said so far. Let's just give the Lord thanks and uh, close for today. We'll continue teaching next time. Let's thank the Lord. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Let's just give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's continue to thank the Lord and say, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because you're bringing out something from us. You have looked inside.